Welcome to Modern Aikidoist Podcast. Please help by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast if you're watching this on YouTube or BitChute. These are all free and help out a great deal. Word of mouth is how shows like this reach more people who are interested. Another way you can support this podcast is by way of a PayPal tip jar. You can leave a donation of any amount you like or set up a monthly donation just like Patreon or Subscribestar. Only I don't make you pay for my content. I only ask for your contribution if you want to support my work. There's a link in the description. I sincerely appreciate your interest and support. Training alone at home is a topic almost everyone is interested in right now, as dojos have shut down and people are avoiding person-to-person contact for their safety. Today's topic is on how to keep up your pursuits of Aikido and training in the midst of this epidemic crisis. I'll be covering many different ways to advance your Aikido and training, along with some practical suggestions. The challenge before us is that Aikido is a physical art. Most of our practice is with a partner. This is not a luxury, but a requirement to get the feel for handling a live body. The pressures, positions, and touch are crucial elements to practicing Aikido. A painter cannot practice his craft without paint. Moving a dry brush over a canvas just won't suffice. A swimmer must get into the water. However, there are many other ways to improve that don't involve practicing technique with a partner. Obviously, this is optimal, but at the time is pretty close to impossible. Those who have a spouse or family member that they live with who also practices Aikido are particularly blessed. If you're not so lucky and are stuck by yourself, wondering what you can do to improve your Aikido, this episode is for you. First, realize what seems like a disadvantage can actually be turned into an advantage. That may seem like a strange statement, so let me explain. Over several decades of competitive fighting, I encountered a few periods where I had to take time off from my training. In each case, it was due to injury. These were extended breaks for several months and rarely coincided with my normal annual downtime break around the holidays in November and December. Taking four to six weeks off will leave you a little rusty, but not bad. Taking three to four months off makes you feel like you've lost a lot of ground. Martial arts is a perishable skill. You don't come back after a long break and be as precise and smooth as you were when you were in practice. The good news is that it comes back fast once you get back to practicing. It's not like you're starting all over again. I noticed something when I came back from an extended time away from my training. That was, I took on my training with a fresh perspective. Since I viewed that I was refamiliarizing myself with good technique, I went through a relearning process. I found old habits which could be improved were easier to adjust and change into better habits. When you do something every day for months or years, it becomes ingrained. Even if it's not quite right, it becomes a comfortable habit. Taking an extended time off and returning, it will not feel as comfortable. This is a tremendous opportunity to reprogram yourself to a better habit. That is, if you have the mind to do this. If you do, the time away from practice can be a tremendous advantage, provided you use it properly. But what can you do in the meantime? I'd say the first thing is to embrace the fact that your practice habits must change a little bit. Get out of the training rut that you're in. As good as it might be, Use this as an opportunity to find other beneficial ways of expanding your understanding of the art. Don't let yourself be limited merely to the physical realm as represented by practicing technique via paired kata. Aikido is far more of a mental art than a physical one, so use this opportunity to expand your mind. Sure, there are ways to address the physical, and I'll cover those in a bit, but realize that your body cannot learn what your mind cannot envision. Therefore, I'm going to share a few ideas of how you can expand your mind in regards to learning more about Aikido. Then, when you can get on the mat again, you will have a whole new set of things you can explore. 
The first thing I will suggest is use this opportunity to lift your head up and look around. There are tons of sources online for Aikido that you can see and study. Many of them are free via YouTube and other video streaming services. Some are subscription-based if you find a particular source you're intrigued by. Most are quite affordable, but there are plenty for you to study and fill your mind with. Since it may be some time before dojos open up again, make a list of what you find that you want to practice. I suggest keeping notes on techniques you want to learn and integrate into your training. In a month, you may not remember them all, so write them down now. There are not only technique videos of all kinds, as well as demonstrations out there, but there are podcasts like this one. You can also find articles, interviews, and a wealth of material about Aikido history, approaches, and a wide variety of Aikido-related topics. Almost all of these are free. They just require that you go find them. And they're pretty easy to find. It just takes some time and a bit of effort. Let your practice of Aikido shift to the mental realm for a while. Take advantage of this time away from the mat to learn more. If there is something that you find regarding the physical, take notes so that you have a task list when you make it back to the dojo again. You'll find that you'll probably get more excited about returning to the mat when you have a wish list of new things that you want to try and learn. When it comes to expanding the mental or intellectual side of Aikido, we all know that Aikido is not just a collection of techniques. The approach of Aikido is, in my opinion, a way of strategy. This means that the concepts of Aikido are not limited to the physical realm. These principles are applicable to non-physical confrontations and situations as well. We often fail to notice this or lose sight as we diligently try to hone our physical skills. That's the rut we can get into, thinking that Aikido is primarily focused on physical technique. I've found success in using the principles of Aikido in negotiations, relationships, and dispute resolution of all kinds. Using these hasn't gotten me everything that I want, and it's no magic solution, but has been far more than helpful many times. One of the first times I used these principles was in a business negotiation. The details are not terribly important, and I want to keep this story concise, so I won't go into great depth on the situation. I was negotiating a rather sticky situation with a company who was aggressively claiming their side of a dispute, and had gotten their lawyers involved. My company was a startup and engaged an individual lawyer at a small firm to help with the matter. The principle I used was moving off the line and applying pressure. In this instance, I could not entirely get out of the way of the attack, which was the law firm this company employed. They were a high-power firm and were quite aggressive. As a startup, we were not in a place to engage an expensive law firm in a protracted legal battle. I got the feeling that they weren't keen on it either, and no one likes writing huge checks to lawyers. The pressure concept came in when I realized that my lawyer was far cheaper than theirs. They were under a lot of pressure to negotiate a settlement, and their legal bills were climbing fast as the matter went on. So I turned Tencon and bought time through the negotiating process. When it came time to put the dispute to bed, I offered them an out in which I had to give up very little, almost nothing, and they took it without hesitation. Even my lawyer remarked that he should hire me for negotiations as I got a settlement deal he never would have predicted. The only thing I did was heed Sun Tzu's words, know your enemy and know yourself, and in a hundred battles you will never be in peril. To this day I count this as one of my best victories in a high-stress situation, and I'm delighted at how it came out. In another instance, I used the opportunity for a real-world lesson in Randori. It was something that came along suddenly, but was not as high stakes as the business negotiation I just described. 
One day at the dojo, my wife and I were approached by a woman who wanted to meet with us to propose a way that we might work with a local business to get the word out about our business. As background, my wife is a massage and rehab therapist. She has her own space at the dojo and sees clients there. Two different services under one roof, along with the martial arts training we provide. We agreed to an appointment to hear this woman out. I couldn't have asked for a better opportunity for a lesson in Aikido. At the time, my wife was a purple belt and my student. Okay, I know what you might be thinking. She and I met and started dating before she started training Aikido, so don't worry. I don't believe developing romantic relationships with students is ethical, but that's another story. In this case, I drew her into Aikido, not the other way around. Anyway, there we are with this woman who wants to sell us something. That became immediately apparent as she shifted into high-pressure sales mode in the blink of an eye. This was a drastic change in behavior from the casual and congenial woman who set up the appointment. She was like Dr. Jekyll who turned into Mr. Hyde in almost the blink of an eye. She explained that she worked for a publication which served a large housing community of 600 or so units. She was selling advertising in their publication, and the price was pretty high. Early on in the meeting, I determined that advertising Aikido classes would not be a good return on the investment, so I wasn't interested. Her attention suddenly shifted to ignore me entirely, and she went right to selling my wife on advertising her services there. She was relentless on pointing out every feature and benefit she could think of. Her body energy level was through the roof, and she was sitting on the very edge of the couch in our office to make her points. My wife was trying to think on her feet and deal with the barrage of statements, questions, and points this woman was throwing at her. The attacks consisted of a dizzying array of sales tricks, from lures to statistics to more aggressive tactics like, I need a commitment before I leave this meeting to lock in this special price. It was astonishing just how much this woman threw at my wife. As a protective husband, my instinct at first was to step in, stop it, and save her. But then I realized this was a perfect opportunity to practice what we had been working on for the last few weeks, Randori. Randori is dealing with chaos, repeated and ongoing high-energy attacks. So instead of intervening, I sat quietly and let my wife practice her Randori skills in a verbal setting. She stumbled a bit here and there, dealing with the aggressive tactics the saleswoman used, but she didn't fall for them. This went on for almost 45 minutes, and at the end, the saleswoman didn't get the sale that she wanted. She was so aggressive that she asked directly for my wife's credit card number. That is the kind of high pressure we are talking about. The funniest thing from this whole incident was what maintaining this level of energy did to the saleswoman. By the end of the meeting, she was slumped over in the couch, almost asleep. The energy she put into being a high-pressure salesperson took its toll, and her feet were dragging as she left. My wife and I were fine, although she was a little dazed by just how much was just thrown at her. Once the saleswoman was out the door and we took a few breaths, my wife said, wow, I can't believe that just happened. I looked at her and said, that was Randori. It didn't occur to her at the moment what was happening, but she exclaimed, you're right. In real life, we never enjoy the benefit of someone saying hajime, which means begin. Often, we suddenly realize we are in the midst of chaos and must deal with it immediately. That is how quickly we must handle what is being thrown at us, and it can come out of nowhere. Recently, a student of mine went through a rather tense divorce, and the fact that the couple had a son made child custody an added issue to deal with. I'll save the full details, but he was separated from his son for a period of time without knowing if he would ever get to see him again. This took a severe emotional toll, as it would on most fathers. 
This was a very emotionally charged, high-stakes situation. If he let his frustration and anger loose, he would prove himself unfit to be around his son. Instead, he took the lessons of Aikido to heart, specifically to keep his balance and remain calm. Although every part of him wanted to fight tooth and nail to get his son back, he restrained himself and kept his poise. This was not easy to do, as his son very much wanted to be with his father. The level of emotion going on is hard to imagine. His strategy ultimately worked, and he is now able to spend time with his son. My student wrote me to thank me for providing him a new way to approach these challenges, as his younger self would not have been as controlled, and he very likely would have expressed his frustration and ruined the situation entirely. I think this stands as a testament to the principles of maintaining balance, a calm frame of mind, and staying within one's range of effectiveness. Don't try to go outside it and attempt to do what you do not have the power to do. Use patience and wisdom instead of brute force. These applications of the strategies of Aikido are why I do not feel the term Aiki Jiu-Jitsu is a good fit for the art that I do. It is a do, a way of life, not just a set of physical techniques. I think it's worth appreciating how much the principles, tactics, and strategies of Aikido are useful and practical for navigating conflict of all kinds, including non-physical. We now have a tremendous opportunity to shift our focus from the physical to these applications of the art. The pause in our training can help us shift our mindset and perspective on how we view our Aikido training and what exactly it is useful for. Quite a few people do this already, but I think that a great many people do not realize just how Aikido's principles and strategies cross over. I've seen some who are great Aikido practitioners, but they leave their Aikido on the mat. To them, it is only physical and they do not utilize it in any other realm. I think they're missing out on a wealth of improvement by employing the benefits of Aikido outside the physical. In fact, I think it's far more useful in day-to-day -day life than it is for dealing with physical conflict. Most people will never need to use their Aikido to deal with a physical attack. Speaking of the physical, I now want to address the physical things that you can be doing to improve your Aikido through solo training. I'll mention only briefly things that I'm sure you've already heard which are practice weapon katas or do aikitaiso exercises. Aikitaiso are solo movement exercises, often used at the beginning of classes as both a warm-up and a reminder for the body for how to move properly. Of course, you can do these. If you are an Aikido practitioner of even a few weeks, you probably already realize that you can do these by yourself. I will add one thing which may be helpful. The aikitaiso are not a limited set of movements. It may seem so because you've learned them as a set list at your dojo. However, you are not limited to only those. An Aikitaiso can be made of any technique or movement within a technique. The Aikitaiso exercises most commonly shown and practiced are generally the movements which are used quite frequently in Aikido techniques. There's no reason you cannot pick movements out of any technique and turn them into an Aikitaiso. This opens up your ability to practice movements on your own. If you're a beginner or an intermediate student, it may feel a little awkward trying to find the right movement to practice. This is where some guidance can help. If you are a more experienced student, it should be fairly straightforward to find a movement a technique uses and hone that through solo practice. It won't be as good as working with a partner, but we have to do the best we can in unique times like these. One of the best benefits of Aikido training is the conditioning which happens through practice. You get a lot more conditioning being uke than nage. Getting thrown around and rolling is great exercise. Even going to the floor and getting back up is better exercise than people appreciate. 
Practice rolling and getting up off the floor for a period of time is excellent exercise. It also helps keep the body healthy and strengthens the immune system. An aspect of physical training that is often overlooked by martial arts practitioners of all kinds is what we call sport-specific conditioning. Soccer players, for example, use a wide variety of conditioning exercises focused on foot agility and leg movement. They are not the only athletes that do this. Any sport which uses footwork does the same. I strongly recommend crafting a conditioning regimen suited to your Aikido. Think about what makes your Aikido effective and train your body to be stronger, more flexible, and capable to perform those tasks. I find footwork and the base is incredibly important, so I suggest footwork and movement drills. Also, look up agility ladder drills on YouTube. An agility ladder looks kind of like a rope ladder that you lay on the ground and you run down the ladder in a variety of different ways, picking your feet up so you don't step on it. It does an amazing job at conditioning the legs and feet for quick and precise movements. You can make an agility ladder yourself from a rope or string and things you probably have lying around the house. I've even seen people use duct tape for them. Legs are one area for sport-specific conditioning. Another is grip. A solid grip is an often overlooked physical asset. Someone with a very strong grip can be extremely difficult to deal with, so take some time to improve your grip strength. I find this immensely valuable in finding and maintaining contact with uke. I usually use a pretty soft grip, but the strength to keep a grasp on uke when I need it is valuable. Weak hands do you no favors and limit your options. Use your creativity when finding what you can improve with your own conditioning. Coming up with conditioning suited to your martial art is fun and will keep your workouts engaging. You will also get a lot more practical benefit than merely doing run-of-the-mill weightlifting or general conditioning. My goal was to give you a number of ideas for new things to try and different directions you can take to expand your study of Aikido and maybe how you look at it. I hope you find them useful, and as with all martial arts training, the rest is up to you. Your progress will come from what you make of your training. What do you think? Please share your ideas in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, or go to the Facebook group Aikido the Martial Side and post a comment. The Spirit Aikido online program is now live. Subscribers get access to video training and mentoring to techniques and training methods I've adopted from other martial arts to make my Aikido more practical. There's a link in the description section. I invite you to check it out. I always enjoy hearing from listeners of the show, whether through comments or questions. Thank you all for sharing your interest. Enjoy your training.